0: All right, welcome to the Great Steer Youth Ministry Podcast. I believe in the power of the gospel and the potential of teens. I believe that the best way to get our teens to grow is to get them to go. I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, rate it, review it, help us spread the word to youth leaders so that we could see this revolution and transformation in youth ministry and every teen everywhere can hear the gospel from a friend. That's why I'm super excited about today's guest, Shane Pruitt. Uh, Shane is all about the gospel of Christ. He's about mobilizing teenagers for the gospel of Christ. When I first uh, saw him on Instagram and Twitter, I'm like, who is this guy? And, and he's saying the same things we are, but in a much cooler way. Uh, and I just absolutely love Shane Pruitt. Uh, just to give you a little bit background, he serves as a National uh, Next Gen Evangelism Director for uh, the North American Mission Board. He and his wife, Casey, live in Rockwall, uh, Texas, with their five children. Shane's also a traveling communicator, evangelist, Bible teacher. Every year, he speaks to tens of thousands about the good news of Jesus Christ. He's a podcast host, the author of a popular blog, which has got over 3 million views, uh, and a monthly guest on a national radio show, Point of View. He uh, authored the book, Nine Common Lies Christians Believe and Why God's Truth is Infinitely better. Uh, Winston Churchill said, uh, fanatic is someone who won't change his mind and won't change the subject. That's why I love Shane. He's a fellow fanatic for the gospel of Jesus Christ and the potential of young people to spread that good news. Shane, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast.
1: Oh, man, Greg, thanks for having me on, man. Like, like I feel like today like I feel like I'm the 7th grade B teamer getting to hang out with the all state like varsity quarterback, you know. And <laughs> no offense if anybody played, you know, 7th grade B team, but man, that's what I feel like. You're like the varsity all state quarterback and I'm just getting to hang out with you today, man. So what an honor.
0: Well, man, I remember you you told me the first time we connected was in Dallas at a youth leader network event or something. That had to be like 20, 25 years ago. That was a long time ago.
1: Dude, I was brand new in ministry. I think I was like a 22-year-old youth pastor, and it was at Six Flags. It was at Six Flags. I That's don't know right. if you remember that. And you were doing a, a, a teaching, coaching for youth pastors, and I was like, man, I love this guy, dude, because just your zeal for the gospel. And uh what was crazy is I got saved at 21, and became a youth pastor a year later, I look back and go, that probably wasn't wise. But man, I was just <laughs> zealous for the Lord. The Lord had saved me. I believe that God could save me. He could save anybody. And then here's this guy, man, who is like like the like evangelism ninja. And I was like, I want to <laughs> learn from this guy. So man, it's been such a joy to become a friend of yours over the last you know two years. And man, I count you as a dear friend, um, because man, I've been such a, a fan of your ministry for a long time.
0: Yeah. It's really neat. I mean, Honestly, I'm so grateful you are with NAM and are influencing so many, uh, not just Southern Baptist churches, but I think you've really brought together a team of teams, all these you know states that are genuinely kind of own their own state, not necessarily connected nationally, are uh, you know technically but not organically. I think God has used you in a powerful way to bring everybody to the same page and it's a gospel advancing, disciple, multiplying, believe in the next gen, unleash them with the gospel page. That's what I love about you, Shane. And so I I really feel like, all right, Southern Baptist, check. All right. (laughs) I work on the other denominations. Oh, oh, uh, man. Well,
1: thank you, friend. It's a God be the glory. And, and, you know, and I think we've said it for a long time that we're better together, but didn't always uh, operate like that. So it's been fun over the last two years of being in this role of really bringing um, networks together and state conventions together. And man, yeah. you've been a big part of that. We've really enjoyed having your voice in those settings. So thank oh, you. it's guys. so fun. Yeah.
0: Brian Baldwin, yeah. you know, Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, he's been such a, a great friend and he, boy, he implements it like a, like a general. I mean, he is, he is mobilizing yeah. the church. So it's really cool. And to see that happen in more and more States really gives mm-hmm. us the hope for the next generation. You know, uh, yeah. let's talk a little bit about your book. Now it's been out for a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, but still seems like it's super popular. Nine Common Lies Christians Believe, Why God's Truth is Infinitely Better. What a great title. Is that your first book? It is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm currently writing two more
1: at the same time right now with uh, um, B&H, the publisher. But yeah, that one was with Waterbrook Multnomah, which is in your home state, man. Yeah, that, that's my right. The publisher there is in Colorado Springs. and. Yeah, that was our first one, and man, it's been awesome, to God be the glory, because I mean, Greg, you know me, I'm a moron, so God really gets the glory so and all we, that. Something so <laughs> we have in common. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I grew up in the country, so me and my friends, we used to time each other how long we could hold on to an electric fence without letting go, you know what oh, I makes mean? so perfect, I, perfect. Yeah, I don't have that's a lot why of brain we get cells along. left, so yeah, that's right, so to God be the glory. Yeah, man, it's really taken off. A ton of churches have done it as like a sermon series or small group study. Um, I think it's a work that's relevant for teenagers, but also all the way to senior adults. And then, man, this was really cool. Just uh, at the very beginning of uh, this summer of 2021, uh, YouVersion, the Bible app, uh, you mm. know, put some reading plans uh, on their app from the book and then put it on their homepage, which was wow. insane, you know, and so it's just continued to grow and take off. So that's uh, great. we've seen uh, over half a million people do the reading plans on YouVersion Version. And wow. man, the book is just kind of, to God be the glory, man. Yeah, God are, gets so, all the glory
0: in that. So what are some of the lies? Give, give us two or three yeah. of those lies. Yeah, sure. So
1: yeah, the big vision of the book are there. there is some cultural cliches that uh-huh. we as the church, for lack of a better term, have adopted into our faith, baptized them, and made them a part of our vernacular, but they're not biblically true. Um, and it's cliches like, God won't give you more than you can handle. Uh, hmm. Follow your heart. Believe in yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. If a loved one dies, God gains another angel. And uh, so we typically share those with people who are struggling, right? Um, and so we mm-hmm. know what's going to get us through those dark nights of the soul is God's holy word and not some cultural cliche that's not even biblically true. So, so each you, chapter s- takes one of those cliches and then teaches what the Bible actually teach about that and a better truth to move forward with. Yeah,
0: That's great. That's great. Yeah. I, I read a kind of a turn on one a, a phrase like, that phrase you always hear, God helps them who helps themselves, right? Yeah. Somebody yeah. turned it like, no, God helps those who can't help themselves. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. kinds of turns. Think,
1: yeah. Yeah. And I think the invitation of Matthew sixteen twenty four is is, uh, you know, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. So you could almost say God helps those who died themselves.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is the opposite of the self-help stuff we hear this here today. Yeah.
0: So when you think yeah. about it with, with teenagers, I mean, just in a broader, not necessarily connected with the book, but in a broader yeah. sense, what are some of the lies that teenagers are facing today, uh, Gen Z, um, when it comes to Christianity, when it comes mm-hmm. to the message of God's word?
1: Yeah. You know, when you think of Generation Z, those currently that are young adults, kind of like post grad, those that are in college, uh, high school, junior high, older, preteen. There was an interesting survey back in 2020 from Wall Street Journal. As Generation Z is getting older, we've able to get more data on them. And Hmm. one of the things that we saw from that that poll was very eye-opening. It says less than 30% of Generation Z says religion is important to them. Now, Hmm. not even Christianity, just religion as a whole. If that be true, then statistically speaking – uh, they're the least religious generation we've ever seen, almost like a post-Christian generation as a result mm. of a ever-changing mm. post-Christian culture. However, in that same poll, uh, over 82% said living a self-fulfilled life is very important to them. So mm. I think that's the, the threshold to cross in reaching gen z that's the threshold to cross in evangelism to go hey listen god wants you to live a fulfilled life too it's just going to come from someone outside of self so i think a lot of the lies that gen z is believing is because Mm -hmm. it's lies Mm -hmm. that older generations told them it's really a lot of self-help jargon right like hey believe in yourself uh you know be whoever you want to be you determine who you want to be you know like uh, the world is your oyster. You know, you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah, you do so you. Here's the, yeah. The, yeah, you do you. You do you, I do me. But here, here's the beautiful thing is what we got to realize, and I think this is a biblical principle that we help them realize, is that, hey, a lot of times the biggest problem with self is self. And so if self is the problem, then self can't be the help. We need someone outside of self. His name is Jesus, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. that's so good. And, and I think really... Uh, you know, about 15 years ago, I travel was, you know, started traveling with Zane Black mm-hmm. and, Love you know, Zane, Zane. yeah, bro. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Our, dude, I don't think Zane ever has a bad
1: day. You know what He I does like, he's a, yeah. Even if he's going through some art, it's still like, he's like, it's still
0: awesome. You know, yeah, it's like, he's <laughs> so good, yeah. but yeah. he, you know, he helped me actually, because I think, you know, our gospel acrostic that we use to train students to share the gospel, the L used to be, um, you know, life with Jesus lasts forever or something, mm-hmm. but he's like, bro, what about now? Like, what about now? Yeah, and it. so yep. we ended up changing our L uh, to be about, you know, life with Jesus starts now and yep. lasts forever and really it. helping students understand that John 10, 10, that he came that mm-hmm. you know, Jesus came that we may have life and have live it to the full, have abundant yep. life. He doesn't want to rob us. He wants, and that, and, uh, but when students get a hold of that it's awesome to watch the the, the lights true. turn on and everything yeah. changes.
1: Yeah man, I mean me, you and Zane are kindred spirits anyway man. I love everything y'all do. And so when y'all made that shift, I was like, "Yes, yes." Because I feel like especially with Gen Z, when you talk to them and around them, uh what you'll find out is they're not scared to die young, but they are terrified of boredom. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like we helped them see like Hey, there is a there is a kingdom cause that's bigger than yourself, and it's not boring. Mm. And if mm. you want your life to matter, there's not a greater matter than the kingdom of God. Yeah.
0: So, kind of you switching gears to the North American Mission Board. I know you guys recently uh, kind of came out with some directives, uh, and I don't know how how all the stuff works in the SBC, sure. but. One of them was a, a greater prioritization of getting young people baptized. You know, getting those baptisms mm-hmm. up. Why? Why do you think organizationally uh, the SBC just leaned in to young people, Gen Z, as a priority?
1: Yeah, and you know, first and foremost, if you if you don't reach your future, you have no future, right? And so we look at it and go, man, Psalm 145.4, which has become kind of like a mission verse for my life in the role mm. that I'm in. so as National Next Gen Director for the North American Mission Board means we partner with 50,000 churches that we serve and oversee like our ministry side of movement for young adults, college students, and teenagers and so psalm 145 4 says one generation shall declare the mighty acts of god to the next generation Mm. so if you think about it greg the reason you and i exist is because for a long time each generation was faithful to point the next generation to the mighty acts of god and that generation to the next and that generation to the next and generation 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 and then you get to you and i and you even think about what we do as leaders You think of youth pastors, college pastors. um, We don't start anything. We don't end anything. It's just our turn to be faithful, to Uh point the next generation to the mighty acts of God. And so we look at that and go, hey, are we reaching the next generation? And I think a lot of times uh, really the measurable of that is going to be, at least evangelistically, is baptisms. Uh, Uh It's hard to say that you're uh, living on mission and you're sharing the gospel if there's no— baptisms, right? And I think there's been an intentional lean in to discipleship, which I think is good. That's great. You know, we're called to make disciples. Um, But in that, I think we kind of pitted Evangelism and discipleship against each other, like almost like they're the bloods and crips. You know what I mean? They're they're not they're not enemies. They're conjoined twins. And so, like the call of evangelism is an invitation into discipleship. But right. if we're not training students how to share their faith, then we're not making disciples. And so I think we looked at the decline in baptism numbers and to go for thirty years, Greg. It's been year over year for thirty years, three decades, uh-huh. and go. Are we making disciples? Are we teaching a generation to point the next generation to the greatness of God? And uh, you and I have talked about this. I strongly believe the most effective person at reaching a teenager with the gospel is another teenager that has a heart that beats with passion for Jesus, and that same heart is broken over the spiritual lostness of their own generation. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love that. And, and there's something about baptism, just as a just side note. You know, I, I feel like there's an opportunity—I mean, if you look in the early church— You'll see baptism was, you know, the first thing that happened when you got saved. It wasn't like yeah, after a twelve yeah. week class. Uh, it was like yep. you, you. That was the, you know, people say, well, altar calls don't exist in scripture. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> they do. They were always come to the water.
2: It was yeah, like get yeah, in line. Right.
0: They'd go <laughs> right in right. the Jordan or the uh, the lake yeah. or the midfas on the southern steps of yeah. the temple, and it was in front of your. Family and friends. There's people that knew you. When you got baptized, it was a public... So one of the things I, I was yeah, thinking about... Yeah, that's right. So my daughter, uh, I baptized her when she was 12 years old. I was on a yep. cruise ship. Uh, it was my 25-year wedding anniversary. And I literally stopped the boat on the main deck. And, like I stopped the party. I go, everybody, can I have your attention? I'm about to baptize my daughter. Don't worry, I'm a licensed professional. And and I explained the gospel, and I and she had some friends that she had made on the on the boat, and so did my son. And I baptized her. Invited anybody else who put their faith in Christ to come on in. Nobody did, um, <laughs> but I did it because it felt That's more amazing. early church, like. Yes. So one of the thoughts I I was thinking about is like, what if we had baptism parties? What if yep. we, every youth leader gave. Each kid getting baptized, ten to twenty invites for their friends, unreached people they knew, and they came in to celebrate the gospels given. That I don't know. I just think, man, what if we turn baptism it, into a party? But just we a side do, note, man.
1: And that's one of the things we've been focusing on, man, at least in our context, is making baptism a really big deal, you know, celebrating it, you yep. know, what I'm saying, I really believe this, like you said, there was immediate, all through the New Testament, you saw, you know, repent, believe, baptize, repent, believe, baptize. Mm. I mean, you just see it over and over, and, and so we look at it and go, hey, you're going to have a hard time walking in obedience if you don't get the first step of obedience right, which is baptism, you know? And then there's that old illustration that's true, that like baptism doesn't save you. Um, We know the gospel saves you, but that baptism is like your your wedding ring. It's that public showing that you belong to Christ, right? Like I I have a wedding ring. This wedding ring doesn't make me married. The covenant I made unto God and the covenant I made unto my wife makes me married. However, I wear wear this ring Mm. to show the world that I am married. It'd be like saying, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't want to be baptized. That'd be like me telling my wife, like, hey, I love you. I want to marry you. I just don't want anybody to know about it. You know what I mean? Like that's not going to work really well. That's not going to go well for me, Greg. You know what I mean? Nope
0: well i've yeah. I've and I think it's a great it's kind of the we we talk about biblical outcomes measure the movement and the original yeah. biblical outcome is baptism you know yeah uh, that's something yeah. that's tracked throughout the book of Acts so let's yeah. talk a little bit about again why teens are strategic you did a Twitter survey which I quote because I think it's it's yeah solid and you always hear these mm-hmm. numbers floating around but you did a Twitter survey about when people actually came to Christ and you have a large online following. what is what are the results of that Twitter survey that the age the ages where most people came to Christ?
1: Yeah I love that Greg. Yeah, I share it all the time as well and I know you and I've talked about this and it really shows an urgency. Um, for Mm -hmm. really children's ministry, student ministry, as we did a poll, same thing, we kind of hear all these numbers floating around all the time, so we wanted to put tangible results to it. So we did a poll through my Twitter, and we asked the question, if you are a follower of Jesus, at what age did you surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? And we gave four options, 13 and under, 13 to 18, 18 to 30, those young adult years, and then 30 plus. Uh, just shy of 2,700 people answered that poll. It was 2,694. And Greg, as you know, in, in the data research you do, that's a pretty big polling segment there. Um, yeah. And we found that 77% of all Christians surrendered to Jesus before the age of 18. I mean, wow. think about that again, 77% of all Christians mm. surrender to Jesus before the age of 18. And then the next largest segment is, is really after uh, that 18 and under is in those young adult years, you know, a lot of college. Um, you always see people come to Jesus in transition and trouble. And so during that transition time of college, a lot of people really are like at that fork in the road. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people come to know Jesus in their college years. And so if you go up to 30, then 95% of all Christians surrender to Jesus before the age of 30. So Mm -hmm. even that's why I love what you do in evangelism, Greg, because let's just talk about that. In evangelism, when you think of initiatives, tools, and strategies, a lot of people default to thinking, we're going to train adults how to share the gospel with other adults. Hey, and that's important. That's great. Do that. Um, I preached an event two weeks ago uh, where uh, there was multiple decisions, and we baptized 12 immediately, spontaneous baptism. baptism, And two of them that got baptized were guys in their 70s. Praise the Lord. Wow. That happens. Yeah. Um, but, but practically speaking, uh, that's like fishing in 5% of the lake. When you think of 95% of people come to know Jesus before the age of 30, 77% before the age of 18. So that's why I say, it that's why I love what you do, Greg, and, and what I get to do, is we look at our next-gen leaders, college pastors, youth pastors, children's pastors, and go, hey, you're more than entertainers. You're more than event organizers. You're more than like a pastor of a calendar. Uh, you're primarily... A, uh, an evangelist, you're primarily a disciple maker, you're primarily a missionary because I know God can save whom he wants when he wants, but practically speaking if we don't reach people by the age of 18, we almost lose a whole generation
0: You know, and I think I think it's strategic I actually think this is a message that we really need to get through to pastors is that if you're yep. really serious uh, I mean, I just came from a, uh, an evangelism conference with evangelists, yep. I was teaching the only next gen talk on it Uh, And out of all these workshops, and I'm like, if we're really serious about reaching our cities, we got to get serious about reaching the next generation. If I was a business guy, I would go to the demographic that was most likely to buy my product and sell my product, right? Yeah. Teenagers and children most likely to say yes, and most likely to get their friends to say yes. Uh, We are focusing 90% of our effort on the 10%-ish that are least likely... To, to come to Christ. And uh, yeah. so that's why, again, I love... So i want to transition to the... You guys have a campaign that's mm-hmm. just gone crazy, and it's yeah. so simple. And I think that's why it's blown up. It's called Who's Your One? And tell yeah. us a little bit about the Who's Your One campaign.
1: Yeah, man. When you think of... Uh, just say spiritual lostness in the United States. Let's just take the United States alone, and you think of Generation Z. Some statistics say roughly about 50 million of Generation Z are not connected to the local church or have a relationship with Mm -hmm. Jesus at all. I mean, it's almost like an unreached people group, right? And so when you think of lostness, you think of uh, billions around the world, you think of millions in the United States, you may even think of thousands in your community or hundreds in your high school Mm -hmm. or junior high. And so that can be overwhelming. And when people think of big numbers like that, they typically don't do anything. So he said, hey, think about the number one. Who is just one spiritually lost person in your life that you can begin to super simple three things. Pray for by name every day, Mm -hmm. invest in, meaning live differently in front of them, serve them, invest in them. And then thirdly, when God opens those doors of opportunity and he will then by faith and obedience you walk through that door of opportunity and share the gospel with them, share your testimony, mm. point mm. them to Jesus. And so, hey, it's not anything new. We may we may have just marketed it, put some graphics with it. We've put a lot of free resources. I want to encourage people to go to who'syourone.com, all kind of mm. spelled out, whosyourone.com, or you can text the word one, O-N-E, to eight 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 one two three, and and you'll get a response back to take you straight to it. But it's really can two thousand years you old. Say,
0: can you say that again? For yeah, you, slower for yeah. youth leaders and for me.
1: Sure. Yeah, that's right. Just text the word one to eight 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 one two three. O n e to eight 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 one two three, and that'll connect you directly. Um, but if you think about it, it's John one. It's Jesus found Philip, and the first thing Philip did was find Nathaniel. So the kingdom of God is expanded one relationship at a time. Like so, we all have one. Who's one person that you can commit to pray for by name every day? invest in share the gospel with um i love it at who'syourone.com, one.com greg there's all kind of free resources there's a student devotional on there that i've written that's an evangelism student devotional mm. uh there's all kind of training videos but one of my favorite things is on the homepage of the website is this big interactive map. Greg, you've seen it. Um, and on there, you can go and like type in the first name of your one person that you're going to pray for every day, Mm -hmm. invest in, share the gospel with. Um, and then under it's the city and state they live in. You can type that in and then hit the button commit to pray. And that interactive map will light up to where over the city that you just put there. And there's currently over 42,000 people who have committed to praying for their ones on that map, and so it's a movement. And a large segment of that forty-two thousand plus is young adults, college students, teenagers, yeah. um, and so it's a movement. And like you said, a while ago, like, I go like always tell pastors, especially lead pastors, if you want to see a movement, if you want to see a revival. Go after the next generation. That's where the harvest is. You want to see your baptism numbers grow? Go after the next generation. That's well, where the harvest is. Yeah.
0: And here's the thing, too. You and I know this. I, w- I was a pastor for 10 years. You you work with a yeah. lot of churches and pastors, you've yeah. been a youth leader. When the youth leaders, when the youth group gets on fire, it fires up yep. the adults. It does. You know, they're yeah. convicted. I remember once when I was a youth leader, I had a kid. We did a, a youth Sunday. And this kid named Steve stood up to give his testimony. And he's like, yeah, we go out and share our faith all the time, and it's been great. And then he paused. And he goes, you know what? I've never seen any of you adults share the gospel.
2: He goes, aren't you supposed
0: to be leading the way for us? And, I mean, he went off. And I remember cringing at first, but then was like, oh, this is good. You could feel the conviction (laughs) over the audience. When kids get set on fire, it convicts and it persuades and it motivates adults to share the gospel. So it's exciting. Uh, That's so true, Greg.
1: And if you think about it, like— Jesus used
0: 12, you
1: know, and one went astray, but essentially 11, and then they replaced Judas and Acts, uh, young people to turn the world upside down. Yeah. I know, contrary to our Renaissance painters who painted all the disciples to look like middle aged white men, they yeah. weren't. They were young Middle Easterns that Jesus yeah. turned the world upside down with. And so you could almost say like Jesus was a next gen leader because all those disciples, hmm. most Bible scholars believe, were either teenagers or young adults, at, you know, at the oldest of ages. So,
0: so I'm going to I'm gonna give you a little something that a black pastor yeah. gave to me 15 years ago, and I've been using it ever since. I was at, teaching the Billy Graham School of Evangelism, mm-hmm. and I was talking about Jesus, you know, being a youth pastor, I think, yeah. you know. And uh, <laughs> he goes, well, no, he goes, he was a youth pastor. I go, uh, and he spoke out from the front row. I go, what do you mean? He goes, Matthew 17, 24 through 27, Peter, Jesus, and the disciples go into Capernaum, uh, and Mm -hmm. only Peter and Jesus pay the temple tax. I go, interesting. And he goes, if you cross-reference that with Exodus 30, verse 14, the temple tax is only for those 20 years old and older. All the disciples are there, but only Peter and Jesus pay. That helped me because I always always believed it. But biblically, it's hard to argue now because it's like, okay, you know. Yeah, I would say Jesus was a youth leader with one adult sponsor and one rotten kid (laughs) and no budget. Yeah, that's right. And with that youth ministry, he changed the world. So, So, Shane, um, as we wrap up here, uh, one encouragement that you would give to youth leaders listening right now or watching?
1: Yeah, man, I would just go back to remember what you're doing is so important. Um, Hey, you're a part of a long work that existed before you and will continue to work um, after you go be with Jesus if the Lord delays. Remember just Psalm 145.4. One generation declares your mighty acts of the Lord to the next generation. And so you're part of an ancient work. Uh, It's your time to be faithful. Uh, You are standing on the shoulders of previous generations who are faithful. And then also remember that 77% of all Christians surrender to Jesus before the age of 18. Hey, and so you may not feel valued by your parents in your ministry. You may not feel valued by the students sometimes. And unfortunately, some, you may not even feel valued um, by your leaders or your pastors. But we want you to know you have kingdom value. Uh, We see you. We're cheerleading you on. You are on the front lines of the evangelical efforts. So thank you for what you do. And I pray that every day you would see purpose in what you do and you would have overwhelming joy to know that what you're doing is so important. It is impacting eternity and transforming lives.
0: What a a great encouragement. And Shane, you you are a great encouragement. You're one of the most encouraging evangelists I've ever met and uh, just love being around you. I'm so grateful for our friendship, so grateful for your gospel focus. How can youth leaders who are watching or listening uh, find out more about you? Where did they go?
1: Thanks, Craig. And man, thank you so much for your kind words. That means the world coming from you. Man, I deeply, deeply respect you. So to God be the glory. Thank you. Um, Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram. It's just at Shane underscore Pruitt, P R U I T T 78. Uh, Website is uh, shanepruitt.com. And then our ministry website at NAM is just Jen send.org. So G-E-N and then send, S-E-N-D.org. And that's our belief is that we want to send a generation to reach a generation. So Jensen.org is all kind of great free resources on there and all kind of ways um, that we can partner with together.
0: That's great. I really encourage you to follow, Shane. You will be encouraged, as I'm always encouraged, by a social media really uses that to point to jesus and point to the power of the gospel and potential of young people so again shane thanks so much for being a part of this right now we're going to transition uh and you're you're free to you know kind of jump off or stay on if you'd like but we're going to interview an actual youth leader because i have not been in youth ministry for 35 years and it's called the greg steer youth ministry podcast so this is tony martinez and uh tony uh man Thanks so much. Let me give you a little bit of feet, uh, just a background on Tony. Tony's been in youth ministry since 2004, served as the youth outreach pastor, uh, serves as the youth outreach pastor at Center Point Community Church in Arvada, Colorado, for the last seven, uh, 11 years, uh, and has been bringing the students to Dare to Share since 2007. Uh, he actually attended uh, Dare to Share as a student himself, and uh, I've known his family since I was a teen, and you're at the actual church where I was a junior high uh, youth ministry part-time leader. It used to be called Community Baptist Church, but then you guys got fancy, and now you call it center point. So, Tony, welcome, welcome to the podcast.
2: It's good to be here. It's great to listen. We're still finding some stains in that old classroom you used, so thanks for that.
0: Oh yeah, you bet. We created all sorts of <laughs> havoc at at Centerpoint. So, man, you've been you've been at it for a while, and uh, boy, listening to Shane, just uh, he's so on fire for the gospel and for young people. It's encouraging that he's the next gen leader for NAM North American yep. Mission Board. But yep. what are some of your uh, thoughts about? Uh, what Shane had to share.
2: Well, it's interesting when you said very right there at the very end, what an encouragement and Shane, you were really encouraging. That was literally the idea that I was writing down at the end of it. This content, I hope everyone that listened, I hope you'll listen to it again because you're going to need to be encouraged. We have a million and a half reasons to be discouraged any given week. So this yeah. starting there, that was that was great. I'll be honest with you. This really grabbed a hold of something God's identified in my youth pastor heart in like the last two to three years, really zeroed in um, this passion on, on real conversations with my kids. Um, Mm -hmm. The, the nine, nine common lies, right. But what that leads to um, the, the, the fear of boredom, their faith is going to be boring Mm -hmm. and faith in general is going to be boring. If there's not real answers to their real questions. And if, if I don't, if I don't create that, that environment in my youth room and and the rest of us all in our youth rooms we're not going to have that chance to inspire them equip them or anything because they've checked out and that's just something that God has been just pressing on me really intently the last few years I've been telling my students for a long time now I don't want right answers out of you I want real ones and then it's my job to get them to talk about all of it the 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 random, the inappropriate, the on-topic, all of it needs to be okay in my youth room mm-hmm. because eventually it's going to really drive home into one of those powerful conversations that moves them. So this all just pulled on all of that for me. I loved it.
0: I think, uh, you know, maybe even doing, taking those you know, those nine common lies and making that some kind of a series where you can, un- like like Shane was talking about, unpack each of those in youth group. and. And mm-hmm. there's probably even more that you could, you could add uh, with Gen Z right. in particular that teens are facing and then take them to the Word. The Word of God is the answer. Um, I love that. I remember when I, when I was there, Tony, the most popular uh, curriculum we would ever do was called Hot Topics or Hot Buttons. And True. it was those issues, those buttons that you would not normally talk about in church. Uh, that mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. just kicked the bucket over and got a mop, the Word of God, and said, all right, <laughs> what do you guys think of this, and let's talk about it. And, I mean, there are tears sometimes. Kids would get upset. I mean, I think today, you know, things like the LGBTQ issues, all those different mm-hmm. things, <clears throat> uh, a lot of different views on that, but get them get back to the Word. Um, what did you think about the um, his whole philosophy on – mobilizing the next generation to reach their own generation and the, well, think, and the voice
2: yeah I, I think that's just it, it's almost common sense um, it you, you think of the, the the missions movement you know so long ago the real staying mm-hmm. power is not the the white man going to the country it's it's training the, the people who reach the people the people who are there the natives the locals the mm-hmm. real ones in that in that people group and so of course it applies to teenagers hmm. i am not that. i i I'm, I'm 36 now yeah i've been doing this for a while i don't even try i don't even pretend to try to be cool anymore <laughs> um, I, they have to be the ones they know it. it's second nature my generation is that weird bridge gap between the analog and digital age they're a hundred percent native to it and so they're yeah. just gonna breathe it and be that naturally. So let's give them the inspiration and the tools to take Jesus and God's word into that space and watch it go. And we'll just kind of support them along the way. So it's it's spot on. I love it.
0: And tell me a little bit about what you thought about the Hoosier One idea. I think, I think it's so simple,
2: you know. I think it was great because it really makes you choose am i willing to pick one or am i going to pick yeah. none it's, it's it is just one and that makes it manageable and because it's manageable it forces the person to really say either i'm for this or i'm not because mm. there there's no less than this and so that to me was something i really noticed like all right either you're in or not and i think students want to be challenged yeah. uh not insulted or or anything like that and kind of bullied into it or manipulated but just being honest no fake no extra who's your one person and it's repeatable it's accessible i was i was looking at the at the site and the and the visualness and all that sort of thing but that's what stuck out to me is you can do one yeah we believe that you can we believe that god's called you can and it's very doable and you can do it again so I thought that was really fantastic. It wasn't three, it wasn't five, it wasn't whatever, yeah. it's was one.
0: That's awesome. Any other final thoughts that um, you kind of were thinking about during Shane You know,
2: the I I loved I loved the, the baptism part of the conversation too, of mm-hmm. that that identity. There was this idea, that know it was an I know mm-hmm. it's was like, man, could a have, bit of a we bit we a little bit of a little bit of a little bit a big deal. Uh, at one point you guys said, there's just something about baptism, making that reference to the the ring and the identifying. But the question that came to my head was, what is the really big deal in my youth ministry? Um, uh, in the calendar, you know, the annual big deal, what is the, the big deal moment in my nightly programming, um, or seasonal, like what is the big deal, even if it's not stated that way. And I thought, man, does baptism fit in there? Um, identifying with Jesus either publicly through that wonderful moment of baptism or identifying with Jesus publicly through your week. What is the big mm-hmm. deal? It is just, this really introspective. Hmm. That's important. <laughs> um, yeah. it, we know of baptism, but it's that identifier and it's more than that moment. It's, it's a, it's a repeating thing. So uh, whether it's a baptism party or just a recommitment to identify with Jesus out loud in public, um, yeah. it's fantastic. And it's, Again, that, that encouragement at the end of what we do matters, I hadn't thought of it quite in that way of it being a long and ancient work. I mean, if you've been in youth ministry for any length of time, it feels long. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it's you're taking your place in a long work.
0: That's right. It's like, all
2: right, it's not all on me. And it never should be, but I, I'm part of this. And I'm having my part. I'm going to continue to do my part, and, and God will cover it. Yep. <laughs> he fill in the gaps but it, there's a lot of good content I've meant it before you're going to want to re-listen to this one just in one of those days you're not feeling anymore because mm-hmm. um, you're going to get something that you didn't get the first time
0: so encouraging and I think it also you know what Shane shared really elevates the position of youth leaders I think youth leaders yep. are oftentimes super discouraged but we're saying no you're super strategic and you're really really important to the kingdom of God mm-hmm. and so Tony thank you Uh, On behalf of uh, um, somebody who lives in the city you live in, thank you for grinding to reach every teen and make a difference in Arvada, Colorado. Thanks for your investment for the last 11 years. So love you, man.
2: Yeah, I got something for you. I want to throw a challenge out to your listeners. You probably know a youth leader who could hear this. They need that encouragement. Send it to them. Um, I know that we talked about the, who's your one for our students to reach and pray and and reach them for Jesus youth leaders. Who's your one youth leader right now that needs a little bit of encouragement in this. This is simple. This is the basic stuff, but we need fuel to get and strengthen. So that's, that's the challenge God just put on my heart right now. Um, send that to a youth leader because we're better together and we're on the same team. I love it. We
0: need like a water boy. We need tackle and fuel, you know? Tackling fuel is encouragement to that what we're doing is making a difference. So, well, hey, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in, being a part of this. Uh, we want to see every teen everywhere have every last chance to put their faith in Christ. Uh, and remember, a thriving youth ministry is a
2: gospel advancing youth ministry. So, keep advancing the gospel.